Welcome to No Challenges Remaining. I am Ben Rothenberg, and I'm delighted to be joined by at least a third time returning guest to NCR. Three, Mike Cation, how many times yeah. have you been on the show now? Three? This will be number three, yeah. You're uh, right. Well, thank you for being back here for a third time. I think I wanted, I remember I wanted to get you on when we were together in uh, Melbourne this year and schedules didn't line up or something, but uh, it's always a delight having you on the show. People know your voice well. They watch any sort of challenger men's tennis in the u.s generally tell me and what is other what is well. tennis what uh, tennis ten- okay it's gonna sound weird right so like there's two people <laughs> sometimes four usually two and okay. there's like um this like felt covered orb like oh. it, it's sort of like okay. it's sort of like one of those things that you put in your dryer but it's used for Oh, yes. Sports. Sports. A dryer sport. sheet. Well, no, like the dryer, like ball. You ever seen the ball version of it? Ball, that's yes. the word, ball. Anyway, and two people <laughs> with like, they look like kind of weirdly shaped lacrosse sticks, and they mm. kind of just like knock it back and forth. I don't know. It sounds silly now that I'm trying to describe it, but uh, for a while, it kept both of us employed. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so just recap uh, our year, basically. So two, our misconnection in Australia. We wanted to have you on the show there to talk about yeah. this, this sport we used to talk about called tennis. And, and so what, what have you been up to? Talk me through. You left Melbourne, I think, about halfway through that tournament. What has your 2020 been like? So let's see. I got home. Um, I was home for three or four days and then went straight to Dallas, did the Dallas Challenger, won by Yuri Radionov. Ah, yeah. Um, Yuri Radionov, who I will always know as being famous for, he was the one who the Wimbledon like referee had him pull his shorts down so they could check his underwear color. I will always yeah. know him for that, which is not a great <laughs> he, claim to fame, but yeah. He, he told me that he's finally taking the sport seriously and then, you know, he doesn't get to take the sport seriously anymore. Um, but, uh, so I, so then I was home for, I believe I was supposed to be home for three weeks before the Phoenix challenger, which was the second week of Indian Wells. And I was going to do Phoenix. Um, and then the two weeks of Miami for ATP radio, obviously when Indian Wells happened, it became very clear that, uh, Phoenix was not going to happen. And so I've been home ever since I'm in Oklahoma. My ex-wife and I both live here. We're co-parenting. We made the decision since Oklahoma was a little bit late to react to everything to pull our daughter out of her pre-K class before any other decisions were made locally in Tulsa or statewide in Oklahoma. So since uh, it's now uh, we're recording this, it is day 41 for me. Um, day 41 of my daughter being out of school. So we're been, we've been essentially self-quarantining ever since. I am teaching and daycare and all of that for my daughter during the day and trying to play some poker when I have some free time and missing seeing human beings just like everybody else. And I'm delighted to see the facial hair that you are sporting right now (laughs) because uh, it's a damn good look for you, Ben. Oh, thank you so much. I I would would disagree, but I still appreciate it. I (laughs) I, let's slow down that a little bit. So Indian Wells gets canceled. Phoenix was going to be your next tournament. I remember there was a time briefly where Tennis Channel was planning on broadcasting the Phoenix Challenger because they didn't have anything else to go. And for a while, it looked like Phoenix may have might happen. But they sort of, I think, elbowed you out of that deal a little bit there. They were going to do their own commentary because more and more in the last uh, 12 or a little bit over 12 months, you've been on uh, air on Tennis Channel, which has been very Mm -hmm. cool. Tennis Channel has been picking up more and more 
of uh, the USDA Pro Circuit matches. Uh, so that's been a delight hearing you. I remember hearing you on like a, an airplane. I was watching, I had like tennis channel on some <laughs> cross country home from Australia, actually, I think. Yeah. I think it might've been right. the Dallas challenger. Correct. I was watching, I want to say I was watching like Escobedo or something with you on the call. It was, it was wonderful. Anyway. So that all starts to slip away. And then, yeah. And then when there's no tennis left, I mean, you're somebody who has been a road warrior on the tour, uh, traveling in the, in the bus, uh, from tournament to tournament on, on the, <laughs> on the pro circuit. And now like when that suddenly stops, like, Obviously, you have a, a daughter, which maybe gives you a little bit more sense of responsibility and purpose quickly than something certainly that I have. But but what does um, you know, what do you do when suddenly when your when your job, which you know was you know freelance, I, and are you technically freelance? I'm not sure what you would be yes, called. But yes, so correct. Free, freelance. But then all the lances stop being free or whatever the word to use for that <laughs> is, or there's nowhere to put put a lance anymore. What do you, yeah? What do you do when when all of when this just what, what your was your job your field your industry all just like stops what is that what does that felt like for you um it's been very difficult um uh as you said having my daughter has been giving me purpose i think the first week or so was shock and trying to really just get a grasp of how i was going to pay my bills for a while mm-hmm. um I would be lying to you if I said I didn't have some really depressive thoughts for a little bit of time. Um, I'm somebody who's dealt with depression all of my life, and it understandably came rearing, um, you know, roaring back into my life for a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, And I think I'm not alone in this, but I think the hardest part for me um, is just the uncertainty the inability to have a good understanding of when things might come back, how things might come back, um, especially for me as somebody, I, um, I'm not just flattering you by saying this, but I, you know, you're incredibly you, with your work with the New York Times. Obviously, what you and Courtney do with this podcast, you know, you you have. And, and you might disagree, but I think there's some some more certainty with what you do. Um, Robbie mm. Koenig has a little bit more certainty of the fact that whenever tennis comes back, Robbie Koenig and Nick Lester, Mark Petchy and Chris Fowler and the McEnroe brothers, those are guys who are going to have work whenever tennis does come back. I don't think I have that same level of certainty um, of the, I'm not going to be one of the commentators that's, you know, first first couple picks. Um, and, and so that aspect scares me. Um, and you know, I, I, I have had some real discussions with my parents, uh, and some of my very closest friends about, you know, I, I, I might, there might not be a tennis commentary spot for me next year or whenever tennis comes back. Cause I, I just have to be realistic about that is, you know, our, our funding streams going to be dried up. Yeah. Um, USDA is maybe losing a lot of money this year. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so it's it's hard um, that that uncertainty. I know, and a lot of people uh, throughout the world are dealing with that. And I think that's the the hardest part for me is just no. okay. I can get through a little bit of time. I can get through probably the end of this year financially. What are we doing on the other side of that? Yeah. No. Definitely. I mean, it's just it's just sort of the lack of. If it was like tennis canceled for the year, even in, say it was just like it was back in January twenty twenty one. Okay. Right. Like at least you could plan for that. But and and figure out things to do, and then you could you know go off and do whatever it takes eight months to do. I don't know. Um, 
let's say get pregnant but we're both men so that's not really an option uh not that that would be uh, anyway leave that comment aside <laughs> sorry for everyone who had to hear that uh i i'm confused yeah i, I think that's just the thing like trying to find things to do whether they're small things or, or mostly everything that i've found to do is sort of a small thing and like and you i was tuning in two nights ago um mm-hmm. to your twitch stream i also started twitch that's one i know you did up during this uh i was just playing a video game on there uh tennis video game tennis elbow and you were you were playing poker and i gotta yeah. say you were like i don't watch a lot of twitches uh, i've never been into twitch previously I, like i was someone who made my first twitch stream before ever watching yeah. which is probably not a smart thing to do but yeah you like you're finding things to do and the, i gotta say the poker was uh was and i was remarkably and first of all i was excited just to see you as a friend and as a very skilled broadcaster just having you at the mic for a while was was nice uh it was confusing because you're doing this this poker playing so it's on a delay uh yes so like right a three minute delay so it's actually we're not having like a conversation like we might otherwise be on a twitch stream but right. uh but yeah, it was. I enjoyed that. I hope. You, are you having? I mean, that's like obviously, and there's stakes too because the the money that you yes. could have potentially won in that poker tournament. I was watching you at it. I don't know, one a.m. a couple nights ago was uh, <laughs> right. Was not insignificant, especially for people who aren't Correct. making money now. So when you did play boldly and lost on a really raw deal and uh, fell out of your chair and knocked over your chair in despair. <laughs> yes, uh, I did. It was. It was one of those things. Like it was. I. I really did feel crushed for you at the same time. In this case, tragedy plus time equals comedy. It's a very funny yeah, moment right. when you fall out of the chair, objectively. If not, and knowing <laughs> you, I was still, I'm still sad for you. I don't want to, po- you know, twist the knife too much, but it is. I, I might post that video if you haven't already. It's I, a, I, I'm more than okay with that. Yeah, poker has been. Poker's actually been something I've, I've done for. It's almost been 20 years now since the whole Chris Moneymaker boom, and um, yeah. I, I streamed poker a, f- a few times a couple years ago, and. Just frankly, right now it is it is that outlet. It's the creative outlet. Since I don't have too many of those uh, otherwise, the poker itself. I enjoy the math of it. I enjoy the competition of it, and I'm still working on getting better. But it, it is it is um, the Twitch stream really is. Uh, I know somebody you you know uh, f- through Twitter, uh, Eric Johnson, um, mm. who I, I'm sure you've interacted with him. You know he popped in the stream the other day. Noah Rubin, my podcast partner. Uh, former Wimbledon junior champion. He uh, also pops in the stream occasionally to say hello. Lots of different people who I've met through tennis Twitter over the years just to kind of pop by the last couple of days. And so it's as much as anything, I, yes, it's poker. And so I'm hopefully making some money off of it so I can help kind of, again, just string out <laughs> until maybe I get hired again for tennis. But um, it's giving me that social outlet that I really haven't had. Um, I don't know anybody here in Tulsa, and obviously we don't have too many opportunities to socialize even from six feet. Um, <laughs> so it's 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 giving me an outlet right now. And it's, yeah, it's also, you know, just like I said, trying to pay my bills. One of the other people who popped into the chat when I was in there, I'm probably going to botch his last name pronunciation, but it's Alex Kovacevic. Is that his name? Yeah. Kovacevic, yeah. who's a player at yeah. Illinois, right? And he, Correct. a player for the Illinois, University of Illinois college team and men's tennis. And mm-hmm. he was, you were sort of going back and forth about his decision of whether or not, like, he was thinking about turning pro or something and how, and if you yeah. get this, and he's he ranked somewhere, like, I don't know, I should have looked this up before, but somewhere 400 to 700, that kind of wide range, let's say, yes. right now. And um, and he's wondering if he's eligible for this money that's being talked about as a sort of bailout coming through. That's a, that's a lot of different things to touch on right there. But basically, to fan this out a little bit more specifically, or which is broad too, 
you're known as the voice of, you know, the challenge tour. You're this sort of yeah. whisperer of this rank, this community of players down there, uh, hundreds of players, and you're in touch with a lot of them and been, you know, gotten close with a lot of them from all over the world, Americans especially, obviously, but all over the world. What what kind of stuff are you hearing from from them right now? What is the experience of the players uh, who were not ATP level players, ATP World Tour level players, who are now sidelined like everybody else? What are you what are you hearing from them about how they're how they're doing and by all sorts of different metrics. Yeah. I think that number one is the financial aspect. I think they have been uh, frankly disheartened that there hasn't not been um, up until this last week, the last few days uh, in terms of the outreach from the tour um, in in terms of the financial side. Um, You know, I I know that they're getting emails every week um, just saying, Hey, you know, we're trying to do the best we can, but you know, it really wasn't until what was it last, last week that Novak came out with this plan uh, and then the tours start getting involved and in saying, here's the actual plan of $6 million total. And I, I think that has been the hardest part for them. You know, we touched on our own uncertainty. And I think for them, too, just having not any communication about what the financial implications for them will be, whether they'll be um, kind of like the PGA Tour is doing, the idea of, you know, giving some money back based on future earnings, something along those lines. Um, and I think they're getting to that point now, Ben, where... I think much like a lot of, at least here in the U.S., a lot of Americans where it's just like, okay, there's that itch to go back and you have to do something. Um, that kind of, that, that that pent up frustration about not being able to really be in your in control of your own destiny. And that's, that's the thing I keep hearing is, okay, the finances are all gone. A lot of them are living with parents or living with friends along, you know, something along those lines. I, I need to do something now. I, I've got to have something to do and, and they don't have it. I think there are going to be several, uh, you know, there might be hundreds of players in this range of three to three to uh, three hundred to a thousand who just decide to give it up um, because the fact that it, there's going to be more certainty in finding a, a job on, you know, in some financial institution or something along those lines. So I think you're, you're going to lose hundreds of players and there will be people who fill in for them. But I, I think you're going to lose a lot of people. That was the thing. And because a lot of these players are already sort of frequently facing existential questions about their careers right? on a somewhat weekly basis. You know, if you're a yes. player who's already, you know, losing money, frankly, on your career, mm-hmm. if you and you can have a better sense of where maybe that ranking cut generally lands for what who's making you know who's actively losing money who's just not who's breaking even where that falls and um i don't know if you have a number in mind for where that does fall but um but yeah part of it almost feels like it could be and it may be for some people I mean, it's harsh but maybe it's a blessing that they, if, if there was you know we no hope for their tennis competitive careers frankly and a lot of those people yes bluntly do not have hope of becoming you know tour level players maybe this is a bit of a forces their hand and it's a little bit of a wake-up call and for other people maybe it does stunt careers that could have been very promising and uh even like some of the junior players i was thinking about like robin anderson who's like a really highly touted american Mm. junior girl who's uh from from dc or from maryland somewhere in my area and she was like number two seed in australia and you know there was sort of talk or hope and this is obviously setting an incredibly unfairly high bar that she could sort of be the 2020 Coco Golf, that she could sort of right. have that kind of impact as a young teen on tour, making a big splash after winning Orange Bowl and doing these things. And now, you know, she doesn't get to be that super young phenom because 
most likely there'd be no big tournaments for her to play this year. Right. Assume, assuming this work comes back in, in within years, she'll be fine. She'll still have a career, but that moment is sort of forever lost her to be that young person. And, and, and yeah, I'm just curious, have you heard about players? And, but also the other thing, and even with me as, as a underemployed writer slash podcaster currently <laughs> is like, no one else is hiring. So it's not like right. this is unique to our industry. So I'm not even, well, maybe it's months away from a point where it would be, oh, hey, there's no tennis work for you, but there really is other work you can get. That that may right. come at some point, but we're not there yet. So everything is just sort of, it's sort of paused right now. I think that's and exactly it, yeah. right. Yeah, because you, yeah, you don't have this. All right. What, well, what, now what, I, would, what would quitting even mean at this point? Correct. You know? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 you know, I, I think you've seen it on Instagram, Twitter, or whatever social media, just this idea that so many players are are trying to find some sort of an outlet right now just to do something. Um, the tennis, what is it? The tennis one app and every, all the players who are doing different things, cooking streams and fitness streams and all, all this, you know, yeah. Taylor Fritz, Taylor Fritz has a Twitch stream himself. He's doing a lot of uh, different gaming. I think he played in a tournament on Valorant, uh, the Valorant game uh, th- this afternoon, this evening. I don't know any of those words. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> but they, no, but they don't have an outlet. This You're talking about, um, and, and it goes for all sports, right? These are people who have been competing all the time. Um, and I, I never know how to say her last name, uh, Prim. Um, she's doing this. She's been doing this um, podcast herself about, you know, athletes transitioning out of the sport. You're, you're talking about this on a mass scale right now for long periods of time. You know, you've got all these players who are going to be out of work here and un- unable to compete at the level that they expect for a year. How do you deal with that when something has, you know, that's been at your core for so long is ripped out of you? It's really exhausting for a lot of these guys and they're just trying to find something. It's not just, a, you know, uh, obviously there is the financial crunch that hits different people differently in this, yeah. but for players, honestly, all the way up to the top, there's a sort of identity Correct loss that happens when the when the when the thing that is your identity being a pro tennis player and even the ones who we think care least about tennis even like you know your Nick Curioses of the world your Atomics like they are still their lives are still tennis that is still what right. they do and and all the way down to the most intense you know people out there they're all having this thing that was sort of indefinitely taken away from them and yeah people will react to that with you know different levels of. Um, uh, I, I'm trying to think of the word, different levels of acceptance or, you know, I, I don't want to say level-headedness because that makes it seem like if you ever react badly, that's, and you just, there's so much what if thing going on for people like Serena, Correct. let's go all the way to the top. Serena, her odds of passing Marker Court's record got a lot worse with this coronavirus. Yep. She's going to be older whenever the majors come back. So, you know, all those people can, can react badly to it. It's not just, you know, people who are facing financial hardship and having to not, not be able to pay rent. Like that's going to be rougher for them. But the sort of, psychological toll of losing this sport and you know a lot of so many tennis players especially at those high levels are so tunnel vision in their lives everything is oriented around making the most of their careers when they don't have that yeah they're gonna have to sort of live without tennis and live with themselves in a way they haven't had to before like that sort of you know being alone and stopped and that stasis that's uh, that can be a scary place for people yeah. i'm sure I think you, you hit it dead on. Uh, something that Noah and I talk about a lot on our podcast is just the idea of mental health. We have explored that at length in yeah. terms of uh, specifically the you know playing at that lower level, the ITF challenger levels. 
um, how you handle that when you are all on your own, especially at that level, you don't have the coach, you don't have the physio, the, the, the posse to come along with you. Um, and, and now I think, you know, so many of those, these people have that, that posse taken away. How do you handle that? How do you handle it when you don't have the crowd cheering for you anymore? How do you handle it? Um, as we mentioned, when you don't have the competition, that, that daily routine that you count of count on, I mean, we're all going through that in some way, shape or form that we don't have the routines that we count on. Um, I know with, with a five-year-old as we have, you know, uh, she, she counted on the routine of, a of how the school day went. Um, and so my, my ex-wife and I are trying to establish that as much as, you know, continue that as much as we can for her. And, and yeah, mental health right now is a, it's a, it's a massive concern, not just for the sport of tennis, but for everyone. Um, I, I don't know what your, your friends and family are like, Ben, but I, you know, so many of mine, we just, we have these zoom chats where it's just a half an hour, 45 minutes of everybody just like needing to get all of this stuff out because we don't have anybody necessarily to, to get it out to. Um, but yeah, I, I sense that a lot from the, the players themselves, just that, you know, they, they're, they're doing everything they can to have that, that, that sense of um, community, be it with other players, with fans in whatever way they can right now, because yeah, they, they all do feel alone and like something's been taken from them. Noah was, I listened to your most recent episode of Behind the Racket mm -hmm. uh, earlier today, and Noah was saying how, and Noah is, I think, a pretty naturally extroverted person and a very much yes. a social social animal. And yeah. he uh, was saying that he was just sort of finding himself missing like little moments of small talk, which are constant mm. tennis tournaments, like passing someone in the hallway and say, hey, when's your match? Or, hey, what you doing now? And like those yes. little like minor things, you, like, you don't run into anybody by accident. And if you do, like you're suddenly afraid because they might be getting within your radius of, of safety. Correct. I, I just relocated to my parents' house, which in a less urban part of D.C., so that it is a little easier to walk outside and take like an old yeah. lap around the block or something here uh, than in my old neighborhood where I was in a pretty relatively small apartment and the sidewalks were still always way more crowded than I wanted them to be. And yeah, <laughs> so, but so, you know, but some people, I don't know, all that is to say, people are just losing their sort of normal sense of things. And yes, I think most people will understand this is an unusual time and, and it's come, it will come back at some point, but it, but it, but it can be tough. And there are people also, let's get to scale away to this a little bit. There are players also who are getting these offers to come back yeah. to do things. These, yes. Whether it's the more Toggle Academies putting on these sort of special matches. There's, you know, I think a couple of like things in Germany happening. And then you were talking in the podcast, which fascinates me about this one in Florida, which apparently somehow yeah. already popped up on ESPN3 streaming. Right. Where like Paolo Lorenzi is beaten up on dudes. <laughs> So can you explain what, what Paolo Lorenzi, who is absolutely clearly this is clearly this sports ultimate cockroach. If he's out there just like surviving any apocalypse possible, Paolo Lorenzi, what, what is he doing? Yeah. So I, I got a text. Uh, I was in the middle of um, actually a stream uh, playing poker. I got a text from Jamie Loeb, uh, New Yorker, former mm -hmm. North Carolina Tar Heel. Um, and she says, are you? Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. She says, are you watching ESPN3 right now? And I, I just say, why the hell would I be watching ESPN3 right now? But she says, you, you have to turn it on. Evan King, um, a, a good friend of mine who's from Chicago, played at Michigan. And Michigan, go blue, Evan yeah. Evan King is playing right now. He's playing uh, about to play Jamie Ceritani, double specialist. I'm like, what the hell? What What do you mean? And and so yeah, apparently, and just they they got some players that they they are training in Orlando. Paolo Lorenzi trains down there. Evan uh, Hunter Reese, James Ceritani, Jamie Ceritani, excuse me. 
doubles doubles guys, and they said, "We'll just set up a stream. You guys can play exhibition style tennis." Um, it was, and they got some stipend. I don't know what it is. Noah told me he had been approached uh, to to go down there and play, but he would have to travel down from um, his quarantine in New York. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know what the stipend is, but they were paid. Just a single camera feed. Yeah, single camera feed. Single camera feed. Yeah. Yeah, just set it up from back behind the court, and yeah, I so so I, I I watched a few minutes of it later. Um, like I said, I was in the middle of my own stream at the time, but I'm just like, I I think if I had if I'd known about it and I wasn't doing anything, I'd I'd have watched it. It's gonna be inter- it's gonna be interesting to see like what happens with these matches that pop up. Where like, I mean, as much as people are like, oh, I miss the sport. Like, if there is and. I, not to pick on these two guys, because I think they're both top hundred players, and I actually like both their both of them as, you know, from my interactions with them as people and as players. But like golf fan and popper, and if that's like if that's a match happening, popping up in isolation somewhere, what does it mean? Like, why would I mean as much as people miss tennis, why would anyone watch that? I kind of wonder. Like, what? Because I feel like so much of tennis, and and you know this too from the different levels you've covered, is knowing what the stakes are. Sure, it's super important, right? And that's why people don't care about exos or why people put down exos because they yes. don't think there's any stakes. And without stakes, why would I care? Whereas challengers obviously always have stakes, and some you know some people right. think they're more more sort of higher in their own way, more desperate stakes potentially. Yes, qualies certainly at slams, it's very high stakes. I was like, you always really can tell the stakes at qualies at slams. With with the exhibition match between top hundred players, I don't know. I mean, maybe it would be good. Maybe people will really enjoy. You know, seeing it, I, I know, and Noah and you, and I'm very curious to actually learn more about this, and I'm going to try to do some reporting on it, but, like, the betting angle, I think, is massive. Gambling yes. companies have nothing people to wager on right now, and so they are right. really eager to have live ball sports events that people, because people would bet, you know, on a, a popper and golf fan match if it popped up. Yes. But then there's integrity concerns for sure, because, like, if these guys aren't yes. playing for anything, but there's so much money getting put on it, like... Is that really a, a contest that's uh, that's going to be completely on the believed to be on the up and up, whether it is or not? Like, I mean, there's a uh, has a lot of different slippery slope questions when you start having these unofficial spot matches. Um, two 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 replies to that. Number one, I know I would have watched it, Ben, simply because I'm I miss the sport that I love. Um, and I I, I want to be entertained by it. Um, I you know as much as I love the commentary angle it's mostly because i just love the sport i love as you mentioned i love talking about the stakes but i also just love the sport and Mm. and some of those exhibitions can be just so entertaining because players are just being free and loose and you know as you well know from some of those exhibitions it's great on the other hand i i also found myself and i mentioned this in in our podcast the discussion i had with noah if somebody called me right now and said hey can you come down commentate on this I think I'd go. I'm, 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 I mean, I, I hate to say that because I am somebody who is fully on board with the idea of the public health concerns yeah. and wanting to, you know, as we, as I mentioned, we pulled our daughter out of school early because we wanted to do our part. And I, I, I think I'm at that financial point where I'd have to take that chance if there was testing that's involved. I was going to get to that next. I mean, I, you we were mentioning that and saying at some point, like for players and for other people in sports, and honestly, this goes for so many different industries. It's not just a tennis question. Like when you might feel economic pressure to yeah. go back even before, you know, there is a total all clear on this front. 
you know, whether yeah. before, before there's a vaccine, before there's a cure, before amazing testing available as, as much as you want it. Like at some point, you know, people will need to sort of cross that that Rubicon and right and get there. And yeah, that's something that you were saying, you know, if there is an opportunity to stream matches from you know Orlando, you, you know, might ha- would consider that offer if it was on the table for sure. Yeah, I think I'd, I think I'd have to. Um... <sighs> These protests that we've seen popping up, and I, I don't want to get into the political ramifications, but I, I find myself, I, it's crazy stuff yeah. to me. And small. And the, That's the other thing. There's like yes. very few people actually doing this. Yes. And at the same time, I also find myself thinking, I, I kind of, I kind of comprehend some of it. Like I, I want to be making money too right now. I'm, I am concerned about losing my house. I, you know, I'm concerned about, I, I, am I going to be homeless? I mean, I, it fair. sucks, but it's that's that's a real real life concern for me right now, um, and so I just sit there and I'm thinking, if 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 there was a way that you could guarantee me the idea of testing every day, whatever that treatment option is, you know, the the testing component, I think I'd do it. I think I'd take that risk right now, and I I hate to say that, but I'm also I'm realistic about all you know. It's 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 a tough debate. It's it's a really difficult internal struggle that I'm and I'm trying to comprehend. It hasn't come up yet, but I, I'd, I'd have some real real difficult decisions to make. Yeah, let me talk about something we, we sort of mentioned in passing earlier, which is this bailout plan. Well, mm. the part that got revealed early, and it may have just been a draft. I'm not sure it's the fully enacted thing, but this. Yeah. The part that jumped out to everybody, I think, was the part where top 100 players were going to contribute to this fund based right. on their ranking. And I don't have the exact breakdown in front of me, but I, what I remember is that for players ranked 1 through 5, we're going to give $30,000, which struck me as so incredibly low. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, like the champion yeah. of the Australian Open, who this year was Novak Djokovic, who was a top five player, got, I believe, ballpark like in, with conversion around $3 million, right? winning yeah, that tournament right. so that is one percent of that australian open that one tournament money for him that he's going to give while the other players who are ranked you know outside top 50 i think are expected to give like five thousand or so and the yeah. scaling of that just doesn't made no sense to me and i honestly found it like uh pretty if i was a if i was a lower rank player even like if especially if i was like a 70 through 100 player and like i was told to give one sixth of what novak was giving i'd be like what yes. the hell what is that yes. when, when these guys and we see you know roger federer allegedly signing like a $300 million deal with Uniqlo. Uh, and who knows if that's going to be paused during this or not, I mean, in fairness to context. Right. But still, like, what? Like, yes. I, I, I would be I would be personally offended by that. I'm just curious if you've heard that kind of reaction from, uh, from guys. Uh, no, you know, just, I've seen just the same thing you have in terms of the social media reaction. We were trying to get John Millman to come on our podcast to talk about it um, this week. You know, timing didn't work out exactly, but I know he was quite vocal about saying it's just not that's not how things should be done. And I, I am f- fully full agreement that those players in the 70 to 100 range, they should have no obligation. I believe that as we're taping this today, I believe uh, Hachinov actually maybe made mention of the fact that it was not um, required, that it was an optional type of a situation. I don't know if suggested uh, again, donation I, kind of suggested thing, donation as opposed to a compulsory yeah. you have to, um, which I okay. guess makes it somewhat better. I, I I am firmly of the belief it is not 
it should not be incumbent on other players to take care of other players right now. I, I am fully on board with the idea of Novak and Rafa and Roger and even Serena, Osaka, some of the highest played, paid players to say, you know what, I can I can give X amount of dollars, a million dollars, and let's try to help help out, right? That's fine. It should not be even suggested to somebody who's in the 70 to 100 range you should be paying some money. What's to separate the person who's 100 from 101? I mean, like Noah, we were having this talk on our podcast as well. Noah, his last tournament, the Indian Wells Challenger, he had a good week, his first really good week of the year. He snuck inside the 250. Now he is not eligible to get any of that money. <laughs> it's just like what, the, like he, it cost him thousands of dollars because of the fact that he won some, it's, it is it is ludicrous how they're how they're doing that, and it should not be incumbent upon players to take care of other players. It should be set up by the tours, and I know a couple days afterwards they were the ones who got involved. Um, and and so the idea though the players taking care of other players is wrong, and it needs to be uniform. It needs to be set in a way that everyone's taken care of in in a correct manner, so that they're yearly payment is what it would normally be or somewhere along those lines. That being said, this is the time to fix that on a bigger scale so that you're not having to take care of these lower players, lower rank players, that they're actually getting paid what they quote unquote should be, that those payments during the year when you have tennis are taken care of more so that those that that salary for somebody who's 250 in the world is reasonable that you're you're able to pay for a coach to travel with you a little bit of time if you're 150 in the world they can't really do that all the time now unless you get some fun, you know again i could go on and on but sure this is the time to fix it while we still can, when, when there's no tennis, fix the funding so that there's more payment at the challenger level. This is, yeah, the conversation I've had with a few different people. Obviously, the most sort of bold, I guess I would say, talk about this was what the conversation, that was only yesterday that it really happened. We're recording this on <laughs> Thursday, was the ATP WTA merge talk that was cropping right. up with Federer casually tweeting that out, which, I, again, we did a podcast about it suspicions about how where that all originated but but agreed but this whole notion of talking about this stoppage time as a reset period a reset opportunity we talk right. so much about things that are broken or unideal in the sport uh on such a from the calendar to the payment structure to the separate organizations to da 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 like gosh if especially if we lose the entire rest of the 2020 season which seems like a fair prop fairly likely situation at this point like my gosh, so much opportunity to come out of this, to come out of the ashes, like really reborn as a yes or better organization. And yes, there will be power struggle in that. Obviously, people have their own interests at heart. The friendship and land grab was not a very, you know, reassuring moment in cooperation. Even that seems to be calmed down a little bit now. Like, you know, like I I do think there is a chance, and yeah, and, and those things uh, can happen. You mentioned coaches that's one th other thing i wanted to get to as well and speaking of obligations this is something that's every player all the way to the top is having to uh to discuss whether or not coaches are getting paid or what coaches are all the players who then are the sort of second degree people who rely on these players who are solely employed by these players whether you're a top coach whether you're a physio whether you work with multiple players or just one whether you're a part-time coach who does some coaching or you know and also does private lessons with private lessons for tennis which are a big part of income for both coaches and lower rank players also yeah a lot of them will moonlight doing lessons that's also off the table now um i gotta assume that like 
you know, players outside top 100, no one's paying their coaches. I've heard, Correct. I, I was hearing about a dispute uh, between, uh, and I read, just read, I have not heard the first hand of this, but I was reading some reports about a dispute between Thomas Drouet and Wong Chung about how he was insisting mm. that her, his contract would still require her to pay him now. And if they were settling on like a 50% thing or what, the, there was a back and forth a little bit in the media uh, about that. Uh, you know, th- these are, and, I, and I've heard of really top players, like top 10 players who are, not paying their coaches now and part of me thinks that that's really cruel when you're a player who's made who has this much money in the bank even if there's no inflow right now you still have so much that you could do a little bit for this person who in some cases in the one case i heard that a coach was still you know sending like workout advice or training advice to this player but wasn't getting any payment in return which i was like why are you doing that you should stop like if you're not yeah if you're not getting paid don't work that's you know correct but that's a question of loyalty and long-term thinking, short-term thinking, all those things. Anyway, that's complicated. I'm curious what you think of those sort of... Those lit, and, and, and we kind of, you know, we're sort of, again, people who are not dissimilar to coaches, sort of auxiliary people on the tour in our own ways. Yeah. If we don't work for players on any level. Um, but yeah, what, what do you think of that? I think the impetus is on the player to say, I'm not able to make money, but here's what I can give you. I think that's, that's one where a player can say... You know, this is somebody who relies on me. This is an employee of mine. Um, And this gets back to a a more global situation, doesn't it? And freelancers as well. You know, do you you try to take care of your employees or an independent contractor if you can, if you have a little bit to give them something? Um, I, I had one of mine, one of my employers did a little something for me uh, for one of the tournaments that got canceled. And I will, it was the USTA, and I, I will... I said this on our podcast as well. I will never forget that act of kindness. They were under no obligation to do anything for me after an event was canceled. And they did anyways. And it meant, it has meant the world to me. Mm. I mean, like a couple of months of being able to survive. Um, So I'll never forget that. That's And that's the thing. I don't know that a lot of players specifically who are 22, 23, 24 necessarily have that idea and understanding of what their actions can mean to other human beings right now. I think that is true yeah. in this pandemic and, and outside of it, what their interactions with people can mean. And this is one of those times where you can step up and say, I am blessed. I do have these types of things. And again, I, I'm talking about players at the top. I have this ability to change some people's lives or make their lives a little bit better in this terrible situation. A lot of them are doing that, um, but I, I think that's where, where I stand on it. It's it's really that time to step up and show you who you are as a human being. Yeah, I, I think it does speak more to personality than to or to generosity and, and mm-hmm. character, if you want to use that word, than to uh, to financial standing, really, yes. when it comes to the players. And that's more decisive on this. And, and, you know, I think that also, yeah, tennis players, like you sort of, mentioned there a little bit like there are tend to be young they tend to have not had a lot of tennis especially the best ones have not had a lot of quote-unquote real world experience and yes they uh, don't and they in their careers they have to be very self-focused i don't want to say yes. self-centered that would have a more negative connotation to it but i sort of mean that also i mean they have to be very much driven on themselves and always doing their best to make themselves you know, and you know when they do do well, if they go out and win a Grand Slam, yes, it that reflects very well on other coaches and everything, and everyone's sort of pitching into this one person's project. Yeah, yes. but in this situation, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I, I, 
I would like to think that if I was a, a player who could pay my coaches that I would keep doing that or, you know, do <laughs> yeah. something to give them some sort of money or some sort of opportunity to do something. Not not to be 100 percent full play, pay. It can be right. somewhat reduced or furloughed or something, but something to make sure that people who have relied on me are still, you know, are not feeling like they're in financial distress. Like you're not you're not adding to their stress because they were there for you and you should be there for them. That's kind of my thought. I've I've said this a couple of times on our podcast, and I, I think these last two months have shown me some of the best of humanity and, and yes, some of the worst of humanity as well. But I, I'm I'm trying to focus more and yeah. and seeing a lot more of the positive um the positive side of all these people who are trying to do their best to give back um when they are blessed with a little bit more income right now. Um or or just just the generosity of spirit to take some time out and and call people and ask, you know, if you're doing okay. And I, I think that's, um, if I'm being, you know, turning it back towards the personal side, I have been incredibly blessed at the number of people who have reached out to me. I'm not the best at that. Um, and, and frankly, there have been times uh, where my mental health battles um, with de- with depression have kind of put me in these weird spots where I just... I don't, I can't interact with people, um, you know, and I just, I get kind of this, this closed up ball mentality where I'm just like, I have to protect myself. And there have been people who have reached out and I just didn't have at that moment, the heart to respond to them. But that's, that's the thing. We're all doing this, you know, this dance right now of trying to make sure we're, we're reaching out to as many people as we can. And just to say, Hey, I love you. I, I miss you. And, and all of that. And, and at the same time, protecting ourselves as best we can. And uh, it's such a, it's such a unique dance, a unique time. And, um, I'm, I'm, more than anything, just heartened, even if I don't necessarily say thank you and reach out to as many people as I want, just heartened by how many people continue to reach out, not only to me, but to my friends, my family. Um, and I I think that's what I'm trying to focus on as much as possible. As a, and, and I think that's really proven true in the tennis world, too. I've heard from so many different people, um, players, coaches who, who have reached out to me, and I'm I'm thankful for that. Yeah, no, definitely. I can say echo a lot of those thoughts to myself as well, hearing from people, you know, haven't heard from him in a while, just sort of, you know, yeah. just, it's, it's a great time for sort of random just thinking of you <laughs> type messages yeah. or texts out of the blue. And just, yeah, even like these Zoom calls, and I've kind of reached a Zoom saturation point at, at <laughs> times where I just spent a lot of back-to-back uh, calls uh, at points, but it is yes. still just nice, you know, and I was on one with a bunch of people didn't didn't know that well doing a trivia thing last night. And it was just yeah. sort of nice in this sort of, you know, and these are all like the hashtags and the PSA uh language but sort of really being we're all alone but we're sort of alone together like there is this obvious like empathy that like this is not this is not a per as much as it is in uh, each of us being in our own home it is a sort of a personal crisis it's also yeah much more uh a humanity crisis a humanity wide crisis and you know that there is (laughs) i don't want to say misery loves company that's the wrong way to put it but there is something you know heartening in uh in knowing that people are are in this together and yeah, that we're all dealing with it and all struggling with it in different ways and in our own ways and and you know finding and so far you know obviously a lot of people have gotten ill and are struggling financially and all these things but also a lot of people are also hanging in there and you know keeping their heads up as best they as best they know how uh, when they can. I think I'm on the same opinion and I, I've seen some of your social media that we're probably done with tennis until at least 2021, right? I think so. I mean, I. When it comes to like, I have a less of a sense of how it's going to work if there's like the fan free tournaments. Like if yes, there could be small spot events 
and I think they'd have to be smaller. Like I think, I don't know, would the French Open go to like a thirty-two player draw if they could? If they if that was something they were told, hey, you could get you could do this, but you couldn't have full qualities and full hundred twenty-eight players, but you could have a much smaller tournament. Would they do that? Would be would that be unfair to a player ranked forty eighth in the world to not get to play a slam? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a discussion maybe worth having at some point. I don't know, but I don't think the tennis as it was uh, in January can come back in. I remember, by the way, January was also a chaotic month on its own with the fires. I'm talking about January <laughs> like it was peacetime. January was also nuts right. in tennis. Um, yes, but uh, but yeah, I don't, I just I I find it hard to believe that like. ATP WTA tours as we know them will come back in 2020. I, and, and honestly, there's no necessarily without a vaccine. That seems like the big thing. That'll be the sort of the silver bullet that will get things fixed. Once you, everyone can get the vaccine and we can get going, but that's from all reports. That's probably like 16 months away. Yeah. So maybe even January, 2021 is optimistic. I don't know. I, there's just so much unknown and I'm, you know, trying not to, uh, well too much on uh on you know oh on mourning each passing week or what oh what this would have been what would this week even be this week would be like uh monte carlo or no it was last week maybe i don't know tallahassee tallahassee yeah it's a good tournament i've watched a lot of tallahassee (laughs) in my day uh yeah savannah next week which is my favorite city in the entire universe savannah's wonderful no i mean so I would say, I don't know. I mean, Savannah's opening back up with Georgia, opening everything back up. It's yeah, nuts. But uh, anyway, yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't really have a plan for when it's coming back. I'm not setting my hopes on anything, which I think is the toughest thing as an athlete, too. Like, if, and this is something I'm, I'm curious also what your pick If And I know you're not talking to these guys all the time. But, like, are there athletes? And I've heard people debate this, like, who are really just, like, really hanging it up right now and being like, you know what? I don't see it's coming back in 2020. The bracket is on the shelf. The weights are at the gym somewhere. It's not my house. I'm just going to like drink beers and have a good time until and just get fat. And, and then I'll, you know, whenever they have, have a start date, then I'll get back on the treadmill. Like, but until then, why bother? Because again, have me not, not being an elite heard... athlete, that'd be kind of my, my play. <laughs> I have not heard anybody say that. Yeah. I think that would be the way I would phrase it. Yeah. I've not heard anybody say that. I've heard of several several players who have not picked up a racket, who have not done I think, anything. I think even a, I think even Nadal said he hasn't picked up a racket. Yes, he did. Right. So if Nadal, who's like Mister Hard Work, and I mean that with due respect, that is his brand. His whole brand is I work more harder than everybody. I'm constantly working, and work is you know great, and suffering is good. Like if he's like very pragmatically being like why touch a racket and then on the opposite end you have Zverev I keep picking on Zverev but Zverev is like down in Saddlebrook like seeming to go full tilt all the time like you know is there a happy medium to be had in between those is one of those correct is one of those not I don't I don't I don't know I would have a hard time like practicing daily hitting balls with no tournaments before at the very earliest now July and that's even optimistic I think I've I've had a couple of people on various podcasts and things who have asked me what I you know what what I think about, you know, how it will affect like Federer's record for Grand Slams and Serena's yeah. chase and all that. And I'm just like, who the F knows? We don't like know. who who knows who how any of these human beings are gonna react when, you know, if if we were to say snap right now and everything's back to normal right now, who the hell knows who's gonna be able to like catch back up to where they were up two months ago? 
Nobody has any flipping clue how that's going to, you know, when it actually does come back in some fashion, who's going to be there, who's going to be ready mentally, physically. I have no clue. From a pure, like, um, you know, bar room debate kind of situation, like, this is a fascinating moment in tennis because, like, yes. yeah, like, to not that I'm too into the GOAT conversations, but, like, yeah, Djokovic could have very theoretically calendar slammed this year and gotten to 20. That was very yes. much on the table as, as a possibility, um, or definitely could have won three. Let's say, I mean, three. I would have picked. I would have. I would have taken definitely the over on two point five slams for him this year. So, mm. f- you know, that's three, and then you get to four. And that's not that much farther off. He would have had a real shot at the French Open, but if he doesn't ever get this year, especially if maybe he loses the Australian Open twenty twenty one, and he finishes, let's say, in his career short of Nadal and and Federer, like. My gosh, that's going to be a lot of people, uh, a lot of Djokovic fans with spreadsheets on Twitter saying how they were robbed, and they wouldn't be totally wrong. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of a lot of sort of what ifs, which are always a, a fascinating sports yes. discussion. But Corona yes. uh, virus, I think, has brought them on like never before on mass. Yeah. Well, we don't have anything else really to 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 debate about. You know, there's so much about picking who's going to win these matches or this tournament and all, all of that. We don't we're, we're left with nothing. And that's why I go back to this idea of, you know, if you've got some random exhibitions, the British one that's going to be coming up, you know, I guess the time of Wimbledon that Jamie Murray's putting together. It's just like I, I will debate the hell out of that. I hate yeah. those goat discussions. And I'm, I'm just like, I will debate whether Dan Evans is going to show up and you know destroy cam nori that, i'm there for that that discussion. i, that I kind of like it's like that at least has a little bit of more of like a, a an organic purpose if it's like if they're calling it let's say they call it the british championships right yes and it's all the players who are british who are all stuck on that island together going and playing matches against each other and it's like that's kind of fun that's like actually like something that would be a <laughs> cool event to have on the calendar regularly but if it's just that i can under, that i can get into but like if it's a one-off like here's two random top 100 players playing a match against each other. That's, you know, less fun. But if it's an actual, if I get to look at a draw sheet again and the possibility <laughs> that it represents, my gosh, that would just be, be wonderful. So, so it's, it's the little things you miss. I mean, I, I again, if, if they start doing these exhibitions regularly down in Orlando, I, I think I'll probably watch a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I know there's money on the line um, in some capacity, I'll probably watch um, and and just again because I just I I kind of feel I you know I need it like I said you know talking about the players us too just that what's kind of part of our core part of our identity taken away from us just a little bit so if I have the opportunity to watch Jamie Saratani play singles which is not ideal um, no no disrespect to the longtime double specialist from Brown University um, but you know I'll I'll be there I'll, I will watch it and um, you know. I think that's 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 actually an interesting thought for you and I both, Ben. Um, now that you and I are both Twitch streamers, yeah. I wonder if there is a way, Ben, for you and I to somehow—and I'm technologically challenged—bring the the stream of this tennis to our Twitch channels and commentate on it. The correct answer is yes. I'm sure that is doable. And I was going to say, when you were saying I would watch that, I was going to say, and I would watch you watching that. Like, I would, <laughs> I think you could do bootleg tennis commentary on Twitch, and it would be tremendous. You know, I, like, you know there's just, like all those British people doing like the commentary and their dogs going viral and yes, shit. Like, right. you could do that with a real thing. Make it adorable. Honestly, just put, instead of Saratani, put a dog on the court. Just like, make it go viral. 
does Evan King care who he's playing? Seratani versus dog. Do you respect to Seratani? Kind of. But also, like, a dog might be an upgrade. Uh, I, I Wow. I, I think just for the going viral just... factor. <laughs> right? I'm just saying, let me just say, uh, Evan King provided at the end of last year some of my, my most, uh, actually some viral moments because he was going through this weird phase where he was just, a- a- after every point he lost, he was just saying, compete, 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 compete. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Like literally like a, a crazed loon just yeah. walking around the court. And I, I'm just like, I want that in my life. I need it in my veins there's right not enough, now. There's not enough people having nervous breakdowns in front of you like there used to be. So that's, that's got to be <laughs> I tough. <laughs> I know. Now we're all just doing it in our own homes. Yeah. Oh, well, that's why we have Twitch. <laughs> that's exactly right. Thank you, Mike, for having your home join my home here. Uh, I appreciate you coming on NCR once more any other uh last thoughts before i let you go and i'll obviously let you plug stuff as well here or wherever you want you know the the, the big thing is uh, uh ben i i just wanted to say i really do like i said i really do appreciate there have been so many people i have interacted with and never met on tennis twitter instagram who have reached out and i i'm not the best at that but i like thank you genuinely from the bottom of my heart even if i haven't necessarily responded like I miss you desperately. I was so excited to be going to Miami for the first time this year. Like you and I over the last couple of years have only really been able to interact because I did Australia and the US Open. And this year I was going to be doing those two plus Miami plus Cincinnati and I like I miss you. And like I see this facial hair and I love it <laughs> and it's just like I want that all, you know, I want that in my life and I I just I miss all of these players so desperately and like I, I miss the interactions and the social things and I hope we can continue that. And that's why I am doing all this Twitch stuff, twitch.tv slash Mike C Tennis, because I just, I, I really want to, I, 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 I so appreciated having you to chat with the other night, uh, you and Noah. And uh, it was really, it was really nice and brought me back to those days and I, I miss it. And I hope everybody's healthy and taking care of themselves and being responsible. And for those of you who also have small children in the home, my heart goes to you. Um, it is it is such a difficult thing to make sure that those kids are, are doing well and, and keeping an eye on their mental health while also taking care of your own mental health. So please be compassionate to yourselves, especially those parents out there are taking care of the small children and uh, your parents who are having to take care of you, Ben. <laughs> they need more help than anybody, I'm sure. <laughs> Mike, thank you very much for coming on here. I really appreciate it and stay well. Thank you, Ben. You too. So thank you very much much to mike once more for coming on the show you can follow him on twitter at mike c tennis and also on twitch twitch.tv slash mike c tennis as well uh and you can you know watch him there send whatever twitch kind of donation stuff they do i don't know what i still don't really understand how twitch works but i watched him i had fun you might as well also and thank you guys for listening and for your continued support of no challenges remaining you can follow along with us at ncr underscore tennis on twitter we are also on facebook facebook.com slash ncr podcast and we have our patreon as well patreon.com slash no challenges remaining it's the best way or the biggest way you can support us uh with your financial support there a couple new backers to give shout outs to since our last episode or just one actually just one since the last episode michael jason lewis thank you very much and our continued thanks to our Slam Champ level backers, Mary Carrillo, Chuang Nguyen, 
Betty, Liz Kennel, and Jonathan Weinbaum, as well as our goat backer, J.O.D. Thank you very much to all of you for your continuing support of us, patreon.com slash no challenges remaining and leave us reviews on iTunes and everything else. And we will see you guys sometime soon with more show. Bye guys.